1: an old sport (laughs) pretty good old sport i feel like the bee's knees old old boy i feel
0: like new money
1: i have to go see a man about a dog so i can get zazzled gotta find some clams so i can cut it out with this applesauce boy i hate prohibition and i love jazz
0: and art deco
1: Welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. And my name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And we are living in the roaring 20s. The roaring 20s. Roar. Oh, I just... Crying re- noises. Inter- uh, I have to interrupt this podcast for the realization that uh, the next decade on this planet will be the 2020s. And we're going to uh-huh. get a lot of vision jokes.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I guess. I mean, especially when people buy those... Those Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve glasses to wear in Times Square that say 2020.
1: There's going to be a presidential election in the year 2020. Who's going to be the first person to write an article about whether or not we have 2020 vision?
0: Like hindsight is 2020 or something. Like There will be a lot of that, I think. There's time for a lot of that.
1: There's also time for books on this year podcast. So mm-hmm. and this
0: this week I read the book. So every week one of us I keep seeing things that seem to be confused about the premise, like <laughs> complaining that one of us only read only one of us read the book. That's like the point. Every week one of us reads a book that we've never read before and then explains it to the other person whether that person has read the book or not. The other person will bring to the show, of course, wit and charm and some author and period research that we will also talk about that's what i was supposed to bring Uh uh-huh but to uh to to make this content every week like we can't both read a book a week that's just it's too much reading we're not nerds get out of here get out of here you book nerds i'm (laughs) gonna dump your books
1: So, this week, Andrew, you read The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Uh Uh-huh, of course. It's the uh, sequel to The Good Gatsby. Mm -hmm. And the prequel to The Greatest Gatsby. Uh Uh-huh. And this is considered one of those, like, great American books, like, the American novel. Great American novel. Mm Um. And we all we all know Mr. Fitzgerald, right? We all know about him. Uh, Tell me about
0: him. Tell yeah, me more about I got him. More. I know, I know, I know one thing about him. Well, okay, so he's married to Zelda Fitzgerald, yes. Who, so there's another person,
1: and she was the inspiration for Zelda from Link to the like Link and Zelda, right? I mean, or I like don't know that
0: inspiration is the word. I think the name was was where that came
1: from. That's but. what. I, yeah, I don't think they based her on zelda fitzgerald i don't think when
0: you but. name somebody after somebody you're like you were the inspiration for my daughter <laughs>
1: well but you do say that people are n- not the inspiration for- okay that's fair <laughs> i i see the fine line that you were drawing um, I'm drawing a very fine line and then also
0: i know of f scott fitzgerald he died when he was 44 and he died not knowing that he was ever going to be successful because he was not super successful in his own lifetime.
1: Yeah, we'll get into that. So he was born in 1896, died in 1940. He was a member of the Lost Generation. Where which was, they go? Uh, well, they went to World War One, and many of them died. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, coined yeah, by Gertrude. That's Gert- really funny, Craig. Yeah, it was funny. It Good was laugh. coined by Gertrude Stein uh, as the first of those like generation monikers that like easily crops up because um, then you've got the GI and the silent and the baby boomers and gen X and we're all a bunch of millennials and millennials and, and gen, gen Z
0: which i don't know are they i think they've tried to come up with a name for them i think it's I gen know, z i don't remember what yeah. it is
1: um but so he's one of those writers and then obviously came about as we alluded to in the jazz age he has four well technically five novels that he completed sort of Uh, this side of paradise in 1920 beautiful and the damned 22 the great Gatsby 25 uh, tender is the night in 1934 and then he never finished the last tycoon but that was published in 1941 after a year after his death Um, he did write like a bunch of short stories which is how he made enough money to get by before he did some Hollywood writing Um, I didn't realize that he wrote Benjamin Button Andrew did you know that I didn't know that. He wrote The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Uh, other stories include The Baby Party and Crazy Sunday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> those both sound like n- potential names for baby's
1: day out. So yeah. We'll- <laughs> yeah. So he was writing a lot of those uh, in an effort to like make any sort of money while he, he had met Zelda uh, after the war. Actually, as he was getting uh, stationed in the in the armed forces, uh, he was never deployed. He met her, and then uh, he finally sold The Side of Paradise, which was based on a book that got rejected that he wrote while he was in in the service. Um, and then, in their extravagant lifestyle, Hemingway they got to be friends with Hemingway, and he always he thought, did not like her though, right? No, well, and he thought that she was to blame for why uh scott never wrote more books or didn't write as many books sure yeah
0: blame blame the woman and not like his lifelong debilitating alcoholism
1: yeah they both seemed to love i guess hemingway is just like life. you know
0: alcoholism didn't stop me from being prolific <laughs> so <laughs> Oh
1: God. yeah that's probably what a little pot kettle going on there mr hemingway mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, their extravagant lifestyle meant that he had to keep Scott did writing these like commercial short stories. Like, um, it is like a century ago, you churned out short stories to make money. Like, I don't, you couldn't do that today unless you, you write them and people will read them, but no one's like, I suppose people are,
0: I think the version of it now is like minute and 30 long videos with that are just like still images with text overlaid and like stock music playing.
1: Oh yeah, that's like YouTube. Because everybody, everybody's YouTube star.
0: Everybody pivoted from printed short stories to the internet, and now everyone's pivoting from the internet to video, and so that's what that's what's up. Sure.
1: Um, He
0: guys like comment subscribe. That would be F. (laughs) Scott Fitzgerald. Now
1: (laughs) he uh, he did have some success with This Side of Paradise. Forty one thousand copies in the first year. Um, That convinced Zelda to marry him. In the late twenties, he did some writing for Hollywood. Uh, there, he did not get a lot of success from Gatsby initially. Reviews were pretty good. Um, he got a good review in the Times. He got a good review in, excuse me, the New York Times in the L.A. Times as well. With um, where the reviews are, like this is one great Gatsby. No. Um one guy uh, the LA no, no this was actually Lillian Ford sorry in the LA Times she did uh, say at the end of her review the weight of the story as a revelation of life and as a work of art becomes apparent uh, and it is very great which is a pretty good way to end That's pretty close to a pun. Yeah. Uh and then there were some bad reviews though who thought it did not live up to his earlier work um harvey eagleton of the dallas morning news said one finishes great gatsby with a feeling of regret not for the fate of the people in the book but for mr fitzgerald oh no Uh, that's a mean yeah and uh, ralph Coglin of st louis wrote called it a minor performance its author seems a bit bored and tired and cynical
0: that's the point of the I thing, my dude. <laughs> it's the whole point of the thing. I, I can see that so this book came out in 1925, which is right in the middle of them roaring twenties. That 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 age, which I, I I can talk about a little bit if we want to. Yeah. Um, it was it was it lasted pretty much the entire twenties. It was sandwiched in between World War One or the Great War, I guess, on as the one as they would have end. called it, yeah, yeah, and then because who could <laughs> who could have around. thought that we would do it again in it, like twenty years? Walking
1: around in the roaring twenties, going World War One was something, huh? Yeah, <laughs> um,
0: and ended with the uh, stock market crash and the Great Depression in a nineteen twenty nine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I can I can see because this book functions mostly as a critique of of that era and its values, but also as a as a rep- representation of what the time and the values were. I can see it not playing super well while you're still within the roaring
1: 20s. Sure. Yeah.
0: Like it, I, I can see it being a better critique once you're a couple decades away from that era and you can see all the bad stuff that it wrought and, and yeah.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It we'll probably talk not about to, Not this. to
0: say that it, it wrought merely bad things, but it's its flaws were more apparent, I think, once you live through the immediate aftermath of
1: them. Yeah. And and one of the reviews also cites that it's his uh, middle age is certainly creeping up on Mr. Fitzgerald's flappers so like a lot of his short stories were about the age that they were living in and, and the characters that might be in some of these uh, settings and then like you're starting to see what happens when actual life comes calling for these people right uh, because
0: the main the main character in this book is just he turns 30 during the book. Oh gosh yeah. <laughs> just so old. I mean, even back then it must have been even older than oh, it is can now. you imagine?
1: Ugh. Oh god, people died when they were like 40 just because they were old, right? Or because they were alcoholics, like Mr. Fitzgerald was. Mm, yeah, and that's that's when he passed. Um, did you know like so he died? They said it was tuberculosis, he had had two heart episodes, he was also just drinking himself to death. Um then eight years later. Zelda, who had been in and out of hospital for schizophrenia, among other things, do you hear how she died, Andrew? No, I didn't. Oh, I it's read. really rough. She was like in a treatment center and was in a chair for some electroshock therapy, and like a fire okay. broke out in the building. And she was t- locked in a chair when the building That's, caught fire.
0: That sucks.
1: Yeah, it's pretty
0: bad. That's not great. It's pretty bad.
1: Um, okay. They're just they just kind of were they didn't have a great end. Zelda and Scott, no, yeah, um, no,
0: it doesn't, doesn't doesn't
1: sound like it. Uh, but Andrew he did get voted into the New Jersey Hall of Fame in two thousand nine. Oh, who else is in there though? Well, so the New Jersey Hall of Fame started I think in two thousand eight. He had he, I want to make a
0: lot of New Jersey jokes, but the New Jersey <laughs> Hall of Fame just sounds like. It doesn't sound like necessary.
1: Well, so he lived there. You know, he was sent there as a teenager for finishing school. And then he went to Princeton for a few years before dropping out and joining the army. So the rule for the New Jersey Hall of Fame is you have to have lived there for five years at some Uh point in your life. And Mm -hmm. they have five different categories. Historical, enterprise, arts and entertainment, sports in general, which just sounds like trivial pursuit. (laughs) (laughs) um, Bruce Springsteen is in there right
0: obviously it's like what is it like bruce springsteen Snooky, f scott fitzgerald (laughs) and like tony and tony soprano
1: no bruce is in there and a few years later the e street band got in which is
0: nice that they let his
1: band in einstein buzz aldrin Shaq, shaquille uh, o'neal yeah shaquille o'neal harriet tubman meryl streep and annie oakley among others
0: if you're living and you're inducted into the New Jersey Hall of Fame, can you call them and ask them not to? <laughs> like, do you have to accept? I don't or? know. Andrew,
1: how long did you live in New Jersey?
0: We lived in New Jersey for like five years. so. Um, Here's hoping. Fingers crossed. So maybe I should get in touch. Well, why don't we and take i a... can, I'd assume they would make like a wax statue of me.
1: Yeah. Why don't we take a quick break and you could call up New Jersey and find out.
0: Okay. <laughs> Like I'm putting together a pamphlet to help me get into the New Jersey Hall of Fame. That's wise. You need that. Some I can materials. send. I can send all of the judges or whatever. I don't know what the decision-making body is, but I need some images of like pizza and cigars and slag heaps. And you just and, don't have those and the, lying and the around. The turnpike. Yeah, and I don't have picture high-quality pictures of the turnpike sitting around in my in my
1: computer. Okay, so what you probably need are some. Qu- like high-quality stock photos and images. Yeah, that would be good. That probably don't have a lot of royalties attached to them.
0: Yeah, no, because I really, this is a shoestring operation.
1: Great. You should check out Storyblocks. It's a website full of stock images, audio, and video. Uh, And their image library is like over 400,000 strong, and then they have a marketplace with millions more where artists take home 100% of the sale price. So you can get high-quality stock images for a fraction of the cost of Storyblocks. It's all royalty-free, Andrew. So if you wanted to find, uh, I'm just gonna search like dumpster mm-hmm. in and <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> and you could find um, some images of dumpsters for New your Jersey, circuit.
0: I love you so much, but driving around in North Jersey is exactly as bad as it's, as it's depicted.
1: Andrew, I found an image of a dumpster with a bald eagle sitting on it this has to go that
0: is perfect (laughs) that is just what i'm looking for okay
1: so (laughs) So i need you to go to storyblocks.com slash overdue uh, and you are gonna get access for seven days to their uh library that's storyblocks.com slash overdue to try it free for seven days s-t-o-r-y-b-l-o-c-k-s dot com slash overdue to download anything from 400,000 images and unlock discounts on millions more, including an image of a bald eagle sitting on a blue dumpster. <laughs>
0: um,
1: all right. So, Andrew, what makes this Gatsby so great? <laughs> That's a very
0: good question, Craig. Thank you for asking it. Um, all right, so I want I to talk a little bit more about The Roaring Twenties before we get into what makes this Gatsby so great. Mm-hmm. Because it will help illustrate why Gatsby is great, and also some of the weirdo things that happen in this book. Okay. <laughs> so th- as as we've talked about a couple times, this this month, November, is books we've been meaning to reread, I guess. So last week you did Winfell in Time. This week I did Great Gatsby. Great Gatsby I read in a sophomore year of high school i think
1: i think i read it junior year of high school checks out and
0: i just did not appreciate it or like it very much
1: oh really i th- i think i liked it fine i think i read catcher in the rye first and liked this one more
0: mm-hmm. i could i could see that because catcher in the rye, like holden caulfield is one of the least t- sympathetic <sighs> characters in all of literature sure <laughs> um yeah, I guess I just didn't I didn't get what it was what it was trying to do. So so what it's doing is depicting the roaring 20s and it's it's seeing it through a few different like vantage points. So you've got a couple of like classic flapper characters. Um, okay. A flapper for those of you who don't know is a um it's a term often used to describe like women in this in this era. It's identified with like a way of of dressing, but also it Sort of, it's sort of shorthand for a woman who is not as restricted by the societal like norms and rules that had applied to women before. So, um, flapper f- flappers, women in this era could vote when they hadn't before. Like, I think in the U.S., women got the vote in what, like 1920 or something like that
1: fact checking real quick
0: all right fact check check that real quick around 1920 um then they also were smoking and drinking things that typically were were uh considered to be men's activities so it's it's not like there's not it's not like there's equality happening but yeah
1: 1920 on the dot
0: okay yes awesome um so you've got a couple of those you've got a um in uh, Jay Gatsby who's who's not the main character but does drive most of the action. you have sort of a new money person who made a lot of a lot of that money through um, or I don't know that it's it's organized crime like related to prohibition. so um oh sure. Prohibition started in uh, 1919, I want to say and um, in in response, like it's, it's not like alcohol went away. It's just that a lot of groups of people started to started to bootleg and bring in alcohol illegally and the, the current like mafia and all kinds of organized crime groups can trace their lineage back directly to prohibition like this is a classic a classic instance of trying to regulate something going wrong and actually doing more harm than
1: good yeah by sending it underground and developing a demand for it to be done Without any oversight or regulation. Right, yeah. And his his uh I, this is a question I jotted down to make sure I asked you. We're already there. His money, as you said, it's kind of sketchily drawn, right? That's it's just like he has money, it's illicit.
0: He has money, he didn't used to have money, and he has Taken up with some unscrupulous individuals who our protagonist Nick Carraway only narrowly manages to avoid like getting involved with as well, okay. Okay, um, and so yeah, and, and in both Nick and Gatsby, you have a couple of guys who are in World War One and have now come back and are kind of I don't want to say that they're immediately like cynical and like removed from the like the wealth and the and the frivolity of of the era but they definitely like nick ends up that way i think
1: yeah sure um,
0: so this is all, all this is all taking place against the background uh the backdrop of the roaring 20s which is mostly an american and european phenomenon um it's just it, it combined a very good economy with a very distinct culture and that included jazz like it's often referred to as the jazz age um it's you know the, the art deco art style which if you ever played the game like bioshock like that that one sticks out in my mind as a good like modern mm-hmm. um re- like interpretation of, of art deco styles and stuff. yeah a lot um, of
1: like cultural moorings were just being challenged or outright tossed out the window and so like you right. have also like the rise of Motion pictures closer to what we understand them as today. Yeah, so
0: you have like you have like mass market cars. You've got phones, like you phones got mass so, radio. Phones yeah. were so new that in this book, somebody comes to tell Gatsby that someone is on the phone, and you still get an apostrophe in front of phone to show that it is short for telephone.
1: That's awesome and adorable.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, you've got movies. So in the beginning of the decade, that's mostly silent films, and then late in the decade, around 28, 29, you start to get talkies. Um, yeah, radio. So like um, mass radio plus mass movies start to create this sort of mass culture that endured pretty much until the Internet happened.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: Uh, um. You see a lot of appliances. You start to see the beginnings of commercial air travel. Well, um, we built a-
1: all of these structures for a world war, like a war machine revved up also. And like a lot of s- you start standardizing things. And then there's also like Ford and and the assembly line, but that's all well, and yeah
0: leaked. like like part of part of the women's movement in this era came out of women working in factories and doing things sure. that men men would typically do because the men all went off to kill the other men in Europe for the for the war yeah um and yet yeah, but because of all this like this this culture and this technology there was, a, there was' a big expansion of what felt possible and i I think we're living through a similar sort of era now with um with technology even though like i don't know if there was like a counter movement in the 20s that found all of the new technology really scary and unmooring
1: (laughs) well i mean you could i you probably draw a line to the temperance movement there maybe i don't know
0: i mean temperance was the decade before you're seeing the the result of the temperance movement
1: here but interesting I, don't I think
0: know. that that is that is more about, um, I, like th- there are just so many so many people, particularly men, I think, who spent all their time drunk, and there was a, a legitimate concern that that people were people were abusing alcohol and addicted to alcohol. That I think is is not. Not not analogous to some of the opioid stuff that's going on yeah, now. Yeah, sure. th- th- That's neither here nor there, and it's it, this isn't something I've exhaustively researched for this podcast. It's just stuff that I've kind of absorbed. Yeah, as I as I read things, but the yeah, cultural I, I
1: sponge that you are. Yes, right. <laughs> so tell me about you've you've referenced Nick Carraway, mm-hmm. our main character. You've referenced the the eponymous Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Who else is Who else is in this book, and what's their deal?
0: All right, let me just run down a list of, of characters, and then the plot synopsis will sort of spring from that. So, uh, Nick Caraway is a World War One vet from the Midwest. He's on the cusp of thirty, um, and he is living on Long Island in this fictional village of uh, West Egg. He's he's a bond salesman, so he's doing okay, but he's not like you know, he's not new money. He's not rich. He's not great, but um he is living next door to this giant like opulent mansion that that belongs to gatsby okay and and through that he he enters this world and and comes into contact with a lot of rich people but um so yeah he he's living in west egg on the other side of the bay in east egg and if i did did i say that west egg and east egg don't exist no they they're real.
1: they are effectively the necks of long island um, yeah, sure. Which is where Fitzgerald moved in 1922, I think, mm-hmm. um, somewhere around that time. Um, So
0: living over in East Egg is his cousin Daisy and an acquaintance of Nick's from college named uh, Tom. Um, They are married and they have a child who is briefly referenced a couple of times but never really <laughs> factors into, <laughs> yeah, into the that, story
1: much. I, would never have told you that Daisy and Tom had a kid if no, like, they had the my head. No, they do
0: have a kid. I think like if, if you are familiar with the story and you haven't read uh Kate Beaton's Great Gatsby comics from uh oh, a okay. vagrant, go go read those because they're very, very good and make several jokes about how this baby does not basically does not <laughs> exist okay. narratively. Um Tom is super racist. and oh, he's re- he's you know he's worried about like like some modern men are worried about you know the preservation of white culture and, and about the mixing of the races and, and that kind of stuff. So that's neato. neat. Good. he um, so
1: he's, he's Tom Buchanan, right? Is that his last Tom name? Tom Buchanan. Yes, is oh, right. his last name. Okay.
0: And I think I'm not. You know, I. It is always hard to know with, especially with issues of race, like how much the book is, is agreeing with my modern sense of, of racism. And like, I I think the book wants me not to like Tom right off the bat and it uses his <laughs> racism to do that because, you know, because the end of world war one was seen as a, as a victory for like Western liberalism, like writ large. And so that, sure. that movement has always been associated with Like less racism, not not no racism, but less
1: racism. (laughs) Yeah, let's say that. So I think using using values of the day, I think a lot of well, how does Nick react to it when like Nick is uh,
0: Nick reacts like I think a lot of people react to your racist old uncle going off, and you're just kind of like, yeah, huh? And you just sort of
1: keep the peace. He's not there to make waves, Nick. No, no, he's not. No. Um.
0: But yeah, but, but so between that and between finding out that Tom has a mistress who lives in um in the Ash Heaps—that's or the Valley of Ashes. I'm sorry, is that that's a the, place that is New York the, or New that Jersey? Is the unflattering name for the the area that exists between New York City and West Egg. Oh gosh, so okay. it might 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 be referring to New Jersey. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Valley of Ashes. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, so Tom
0: Tom has a mistress named uh, Myrtle Wilson who like Tom and, and Nick go there go to her house while her husband is out and they have a a weird very drunken party and and it gets it, stuff gets pretty wild. Okay. Um so so we meet all these people we know of Gatsby as Nick's neighbor but we haven't met him yet and then he is invited over for a party and Gatsby has these huge like he has bangers they're big old parties okay like where everybody like there's like 80s um, teen movie party <laughs> it's, yeah like his parents aren't at home and so he, <laughs> he has everybody over i just laying.
1: think of that i just think of the movie can't hardly wait when i think of great gatsby that's all i could <laughs> think of
0: nick goes over to a gatsby party and he notes that he's one of the few people who is there who has explicitly been invited and that's like the parties are that way by design. I never
1: like parties like that.
0: <laughs> I never like parties like that either. But there, there's <laughs> there's another line about like somebody. I think it's um, Jordan who is his love interest in this book says that she likes she loves large parties because they're in they're um, intimate. Like you can you can go off into a corner uh, with somebody and have a private conversation, whereas at a small party, like there's no.
1: That's a good point. There is that fine line between like seven people in your living room and like 12 to 15 people. people. (laughs) Even 12 to 15 people you can break up into like three conversations.
0: Yeah. There's always that group of people who just goes and stands in the kitchen because that's where the alcohol is. And. And there are people who are very anti standing in the kitchen
1: up. And then someone sits on the floor and you're like, well, we have all these chairs, have all these
0: chairs. And they're like, no, I like sitting on the floor. And you don't know if they're being nice or if they actually like sitting on the floor. It's it's fine. (laughs) I believe that on the first night I went to Gatsby's house, I was one of the few guests who had actually been invited. People were not invited. They went there. They got into automobiles, which bore them out to Long Island, and somehow they ended up at Gatsby's door. Once there, they were introduced by somebody who knew Gatsby, and after that, they conducted themselves according to the rules of behavior associated with an amusement park. Oh, gosh. Sometimes they came and went without having met Gatsby at all, came for the party with a simplicity of heart that was its own ticket of admission. Wow. Okay. So these are big old, big parties, and he's got, you know, he's got orchestras, like there's dancing, there's tons of booze, there's champagne served. In glasses bigger than finger bowls, he says. And I looked up what a finger bowl is, and it's basically like a little candy dish.
1: Okay. So big, so like...
0: So think about a candy dish that's filled with champagne, and then you have a few of those, and then you're off to the races. Is
1: it like a... So it's like a rap video, is what you're saying.
0: Or a jazz video, I guess. Ah, I see analogous. what you did. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Um... So yeah, he he is at this party. He's interacting with people. He doesn't he doesn't even really know Gatsby to look at him. He is hearing all these rumors uh, from from party guests, like oh he's he's a bootlegger. Oh he murdered somebody. Oh he was a he's he was in the war. Like he's all these people who are spouting off these barely informed little bits of gossip about who Gatsby is. Um, he finds himself talking to um, Jordan for a while and then they are talking to this guy who nick faintly recognizes and they get to talking and they realize that they were in the same like unit in the war sure and nick like before he can ask the guy his name he says like oh i'm at this this i'm this gatsby guy's neighbor but i don't know who he is like what what's what's the deal with what's the deal with that and the guy says oh hey i'm i'm gatsby
1: I'm Whoa. Spartacus. <laughs> I know it's no. He's actually Gatsby. It's oh, not okay. a. No. <laughs> that would be free. you could go to a party at Gatsby's house and be like, "Hey, I'm I'm the great Gatsby.
0: I'm the great Gatsby." Who would know? That would be we should throw a hmm, How hmm. would that work logistically? Like if we threw a party where we made up a name for the the host.
1: That's and we tough. got every
0: we got everybody to come, and then there's like a masquerade ball, and everybody's like, "Oh, I'm the host." Sounds it like, a, weird. like
1: a mid-season <laughs> finale of a sitcom. You're so tickled by this because
0: <laughs> I am, but also it's not like it's not a thing. It's nothing.
1: It's nothing. So this guy introduces himself. He says he's Gatsby.
0: He's Gatsby, and so Nick and Gatsby hang out a few times after this. And eventually it becomes known to Nick, uh, partly because Gatsby tells him, I guess. Uh, well, partly because Gatsby tells him, partly because Gatsby told Jordan, and then Jordan tells Nick that um, Gatsby was, like, new, like five years ago, I think, before the war, new and was in love with Daisy. Tom's Daisy. Tom's, Tom's wife, Daisy, yes. Sure. Um. But he was just—he was a nobody. Um, his his original name was his his name is James Gatz, and mm. he is a he is a Midwesterner, and he's in love with Daisy, and Daisy likes him. But he's not, you know, he's not rich, and she is, and he can't provide for her. And then he goes off to the war, and she's, you know, she meets Tom, and she gets married to Tom, and Gatsby's whole life since getting back has been, you know, devoted to earning the money that he thinks that he needs to give Daisy the life that she needs or deserves or wants and then eventually the goal I guess is to is to Break her and Tom up because obviously as soon as he becomes available again, like their love was so great and so pure that, of course, he will leave. She
1: will leave Tom and
0: just come, come over and in.
1: So, yeah, is that is it in plot? Does Nick think that that's going to happen? Uh Is Daisy going to? Like what?
0: Well, so part of part of Gatsby's motive in befriending Nick is like, hey, you know Daisy.
1: Oh, sure. And I
0: keep like I bought this house across the bay from her, and I keep having all these gigantic parties, and she just sending them invitations (laughs) in hopes that she will come and see me and be like, whoa. It's like it's like that the dream all the nerds have of showing up to their high school reunion like with a lot of money and a cool car or something. Or like, so oh, just I just
1: rented like, the Lamborghini for yeah, this right. event. Right? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay.
0: Like, look how cool I am. Look what God. you could have had if you'd stuck with me. Yeah. yeah. Why can't nice guys get the girls? I don't.
1: Yeah, but I don't think Gatsby's <laughs> a nice guy. Like, no, I, don't I don't think no. No, no, no. that's where we're sending him. <laughs> I don't think that's the so.
0: Ga- Gatsby has befriended Nick because he knows that Nick knows Daisy and Tom, and so he wants Nick to set up a uh, like tea and in with Daisy and then invite him also. That seems so, very
1: tame for orgy orchestra boy to like. Let's go to tea. Well, so orgy, can... orgy
0: orchestra didn't work. Oh, the or, orgy sure, orchestra okay. is just a it's a lifestyle. It's 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 a state of. <laughs> state of being it's not like if it you got to have a plan b is what you I'm
1: don't saying. listen to the orgy orchestra you're are, you are the orgy you orchestra. you sit you sit above
0: the orgy orchestra and just wait for the love of your life to come stumbling drunkenly into your orgy orchestra trap i guess
1: do you think orgy orchestras like playing their pieces in movements like bodily movements that makes it sound like pooping (laughs) oops no that's (laughs) not what i meant no So he's gonna a a for effort, I guess. Thank you, great. Uh-huh. Um, so he's gonna what? He's gonna break up. Tom? Has he ever met Tom before?
0: Yeah, I mean, Tom's been at a couple parties, and Nick introduces Gatsby to Tom, not knowing that that Gatsby has been in love with Daisy this whole oh, time. Okay. There's the, there's this whole interstitial interstitial scene where um, Gatsby introduces Nick to this this guy, and he's very like again like. This this I think is just regular racism. A very very stereotypical Jew.
1: Oh okay.
0: Who and and all of his like the his his the way he speaks and his facial hair and his like physical features are all commented on very explicitly in a way that is super super racist. And of course he's like a crime lord and blah blah mm. blah. Like he's the connection that Gatsby has who who gets him all this money. So like that's that's not awesome. That's no, that's not great. Not great. Um so yeah, so Gatsby and Tom have have met, but Gatsby doesn't really care. Like he just he want he wants to get Daisy back. Okay. Because he sees Daisy as as his, I guess. Um so they meet at Nick's and it's a bit awkward for a little bit, but then Daisy is active is her interest in Gatsby is renewed and she is telling him oh, she's going to leave Tom and and I don't know where the kid is and all this I think they <laughs> they must have child just care
1: on a boat in the bay just chilling I
0: think this might be it might be a
1: baby's day out thing Oh actually. yeah crazy sunday
0: Or at least at least like a rugrat sort of oh. sort of situation but where the baby is is having adventures while his parents go off and do zany things yeah
1: that seems reasonable
0: i would like to interview a panel of parents about rugrats like do 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 parents see it as just innately absurd that you could put a one-year-old a pair of one-and-a-half-year-old twins and a two-year-old in a playpen and then go off and do your own thing for like five hours and not ever have to come and check up on what yeah, the kids are doing yeah that's a little
1: absurd <laughs> You're yeah.
0: Especially once you throw Angelica into the mix. Like she's only three or something. Like she's not
1: And how is she able to like switch between languages?
0: I think it's I mean it's implied that she has learned how to speak adult
1: language, but she hasn't forgotten how to speak baby language. I don't buy that at all. That makes no sense.
0: I and mean, we can we can do a little more digging into Rugrat's lore at some point if you
1: want. Yeah, we'll do a whole Gary Tartofsky cast or whoever made... Who made the Rugrats? Gary Tartofsky. It was Klas- Klasky Juppo. Oh, right? sure. Tartofsky <laughs> was something else. We're down a rabbit hole. Get me out of here. Down
0: a Rugrats hole.
1: <laughs> no, get me out of this rat hole.
0: Okay. Um. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So that. So that is happening. Daisy and Gatsby are... are Chilling, like they're talk, talkies and chill.
1: Oh, talkies and chilling. No, <laughs> and is Tom like oblivious? He has his Tom own mystery. Tom is
0: oblivious for a while. They so like Jordan and Nick and Tom and Gatsby and Daisy. They all go out. Um, to to they go to the city to and get a room in one of the last like super hot days of summer, and they're just gonna have like a mint julep, and they're gonna hang out, and they're gonna live there, high class barely have to think about work at all at any point lifestyle sure
1: and very relatable and
0: gatsby and daisy are not doing a very good job of hiding their stuff and this boils over into a confrontation where daisy is like oh i love gatsby i'm going to go with him and tom is like really do you though and you never loved me and daisy's like no i never loved you and tom's like really and daisy's like oh i guess i loved you for a little bit and daisy loses her her nerve here and and tom mm. is Tom makes this grand revelation to the room that, oh, you know, Gatsby's—he's new money. He's—he's he's involved in pro—he's involved in bootlegging. He's involved in all these other crimes. Like, he's not good enough for you, Daisy. Like, it's—it's it's just gonna be—it's gonna be bad, and you're gonna stay with me, and and that's—and I will even let you and Gatsby drive home from here together because I do not see you as a threat. Huh. So Gatsby and Daisy go driving home. And then uh, Jordan and and um, Tom and, and Nick all go driving home in another car, and on the way back in the Valley of Ashes, the car that Daisy and Gatsby are in strikes and kills Myrtle Wilson, who, if you'll recall, was Tom's mistress.
1: Oh no, Tom! Tom, let's let's just
0: take a second to be clear. Tom is super super mad at Daisy for being unfaithful. And he's had this mistress the whole time, and he implies that there have been many mistresses before. Yeah. And he's like, even when I was cheating on you, Daisy, I still loved you. Like, it Now, was, that doesn't This mean, is real this whole time.
1: That doesn't mean that we should not, like, mourn Myrtle. Like, she's, I mean, she did get killed. Yeah, I mean, I guess she did. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm just saying, like. Yeah, let's not forget Myrtle and all this. That's all I'm saying. I guess. Okay, that's fine. Don't want anyone to forget her.
0: No, I mean the the, the way that her death is depicted is very like she was. She you meet her in the book and she's very like full of life and vivacious despite despite being a little stout, which I probably the in the age of the flapper the worst thing a woman
1: could be is a oh little God. stout. Okay, um, fitzy. But you know,
0: even though she's a little stout, she's still very full of life, and she's so she's hit by this car, and and Fitzgerald says that it's like it's like all her spirit like tore her mouth open when it was escaping her oh, body or something. Like it's geez. it's
1: okay, Stephen boring. King. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so then then wrap it up what happens to our to our good pals
0: okay so the car behind sees that this this happens yeah Um, and tom so tom tells myrtle wilson's husband that gatsby was driving the car that killed myrtle and also gatsby is the person who you know you know how you think your wife has maybe been having an affair. Well, Gatsby is the person who's she's been she's been having the affair with. Mm. And so this this yellow car hit your wife and then and then left. In reality, it was Daisy who was driving. Yeah, and who killed who killed Myrtle, and um, but but you know t- this doesn't matter to to our boy Tom, yeah. who really hates Gatsby for reasons that we've already established. I think. Yeah, you,
1: you seem. No, I'm just listening. I'm just listening <laughs> to how bad this all is going um, it's for a, our yeah, heroes. It's, it's
0: going pretty bad. So, uh, Mr. Wilson, in a fit of of rage, tracks down Gatsby. Like he runs a garage, so he knows a thing or two about cars. And he finds, you know, he finds Gatsby's very distinctive bright yellow car that has been described in painstaking detail several times in the book. Okay, sure. Chekhov's Chekhov's rod, I guess. <laughs> And he comes up on Gatsby's home and shoots and kills Gatsby, and then shoots himself, and they're both dead. And the the ending, like set piece of the book, is Nick, who doesn't really even like Gatsby. Sh- well, yeah, who never, okay. who never really likes Gatsby. Sure, i um, trying to like being pretty much the only person who's trying to get a funeral together. Like Gatsby's dad shows up like one random like super drunk person who would show up at Gatsby's parties shows up but like you know all these people come to these Gatsby parties like all these people uninvited like didn't even know him but you know in in life he was surrounded by all these all these folks and in death like nobody comes to this funeral just nobody cares cool um and, and he says, uh, I felt a, cert- a certain shame for Gatsby, one gentleman to whom I telephoned implied that he had got what he deserved. However, that was my fault, for he was one of those who used to sneer most bitterly at Gatsby on the courage of Gatsby's liquor, and I should have known better than to call him. Mm. So basically, people, people show up to these parties, they get drunk on Gatsby's largesse, they badmouth Gatsby. And, of, like, of course, they weren't really friends. Yeah, this seems like a raw deal for everyone. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: um. So that's, you know, that's that's pretty rough. Um. Yep. I see now that this has been a story of the West. After all, Tom and Gatsby, Daisy and Jordan and I were all Westerners, meaning the Midwest. Okay. And perhaps we possessed some deficiency in common, which made us subtly unadaptable to Eastern life. Huh. So there's, they're setting this up almost like... In the contrast between Midwest and East Coast, you're you're seeing a it's a classist. It's a it's a class divide. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you'd see these humble, hardworking people from the Midwest who don't have that much money and then they come out to this the opulent, like corrupted roaring twenties East Coast and they just cannot they can't adapt to this this climate and things end badly for them.
1: That's interesting because the, the parallels to Fitzgerald, it's not as, it's nowhere near like the autobiography that some of his, that one of his other books is. The one I'm thinking about is uh, Tender as a Night. But he did, you know, he was born in St. Paul, Minnesota, and then moved out east, and then fell in love with a girl while he was in the army, and then, you know, jumped into this lavish lifestyle, always chasing that paper uh and it didn't go well for everyone um
0: yeah, there are certainly autobiographical elements i th- I think that um the relationship between gatsby and and Daisy has been speculated to be autobiographical um yeah Just like the another... the sense of the sense of gatsby falling in love with yeah. somebody who wouldn't or couldn't marry him because he did not come from enough means and then he went off to war and etc cetera, etc cetera.
1: apparently he did base Daisy and another character from this side of paradise on a woman named Genevra King who he met at Princeton um, just like filled in some blanks there but I think the relationship as what you said is probably more him and Zelda um, than anything else um, so Andrew I have some questions for you do you, okay, great. Um, Ask them. What is the American dream, and why does is anyone in this book after it? I think broadly
0: defined, the American dream is that anybody can become anything.
1: Oh. Sure. And
0: the I mean, don't act like you're surprised like surely well, you have your own definition of the American dream. Well, no, dream, mine was
1: more but, mine was more geared towards the like get a family settled down American dream. But you're right. I hadn't I had not in my head what you said is also a thing that we think about. And I think
0: I think the the American dream is is quintessentially a rags to riches thing, right? Like like no matter who you are, no matter what station you're born to in life, you are not theoretically, I mean we there we can go around and around yeah, about yeah. whether this is actually true, but theoretically there is there is nothing keeping you from what you want except your own desire to like work for it. Sure. And so in in Gatsby in particular, I think we have like a, a sort of corrupted upside down version of the American dream where Yes, he he becomes what he wants, but he does it through unscrupulous means and it ultimately ruins him. Yeah. Um and th- and then there is a lot of other stuff in this book it doesn't even like explicitly touch on where like of of course the what you're born into it, it's 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 a it's a limit, it's a handicap on what you can do. Like it it's it's not that it's impossible to become like some freewheeling tycoon who's got all the money he wants in this giant mansion and can throw all these huge parties and stuff. It's just that you like people. Some people are born ahead of others. Yeah, in that old and the old rat race, the old like race for wealth and and status and and class.
1: I just think it's ironic that the most of the canon that is associated with the American dream is largely works that are like, yo, this dream's a nightmare. Like, <laughs> I think there's uh, some stuff that goes back into like the 18th and 19th century and maybe you want to talk about Twain a little bit, about where the, where the idea of the dream comes from. But from Fitzgerald on, you know, including folks like Steinbeck and Arthur Miller, you've got a bunch of works that are just like, this is bad. Are inability to see that the American dream is like a false promise or at best a thing that we need to like sort some stuff out before it's real
0: yeah uh, I, like it, it exists in contrast to political rhetoric about the American dream yeah, like, like pr- yeah. political rhetoric of, about the American dream is all about its its hope and its possibility and its contrast to other countries and like past civilizations sure and it's all, it's it's all about the possibility but then then you get all this literature that's like well if you do do it like sometimes you lose something of yourself in the process like not everybody can participate in it like there are these giant barriers it's it's not the it's not the thing that you are led to believe by people who use it to almost like sedate you into Oh, yeah. Into like acting the way that you're supposed to act and to just into just believing that if you don't have everything you want, it's because you didn't work hard
1: enough for it, you know? Yeah, which completely ignores a lot of systemic uh, malarkey or what was the word I was supposed to use? I think Applesauce. malarkey is the... <laughs> Applesauce. <laughs> um, All right, old sport. Yeah. Um, the other thing is you didn't feel like you enjoyed or got this book... As a as a young sport, um <laughs> how does it feel going back to it now? Because this is not something that we normally get to talk about on the show. So like did you dig it? Was there stuff that you thought was like, oh, that's what was going on?
0: I mean, definitely I could I was way, way, way more capable of not just like tying it to the context in which it was written, but also Thinking about why it endures and why why people in high school literature classes are still reading it.
1: Yeah, unpack that a little bit because it it it's in not just the canon but in the curriculum and firmly lodged in there. Um, What at the forefront of your mind? Yeah,
0: clearly it's you know it it's it's teaching you about this this point in time that in this book is frozen in amber. It's this 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 period of this immense possibility that in retrospect, we know exists in between two
1: horrible of the, things of yeah. the
0: like hugest tragedies of, of the 20th century. Um
1: Well, you, you but, mentioned but, this but, earlier about like, we talked about how this book wasn't successful in its own time. And then I wonder if the, you go through World War II and then you look back and you're like, Oh, these books ragging on the Gilded Age were like knew what was up. Would sure, that, like they know? they
0: could they could see the the falseness underneath the, yeah, the facade. Yeah. So I mean, you you get all of that, but then you also get, I think, you see where and how we are still grappling with this stuff now. Sure, okay. and, and clearly we are. Like clearly that that tension between the idealism of the american dream and the reality of the american dream is still is still extant sure uh, and it's it still informs like everything about how we interact with with society and with with our own like work and with our own goals day to day
1: yeah i'm just, I think you just said that and now i'm thinking about the fact that you alluded earlier to the fact that none of these people in this book work and like <laughs> that is not a concern of the characters in this book and what does that mean mean,
0: or they do work some but it just it never comes up they're all like they're all chandlers (laughs) (laughs) you're never sure what any of them do and they never talk about it so don't worry about it (laughs) they are all chandlers a book full of
1: chandlers uh that was the original name (laughs) a book it did have a bunch of names but that i don't that's basket of chandlers basket of chandlers um Two th- two more things before we run out of time. I want to ask you about uh the eyes of Doctor T J Eckleburg and what mm-hmm. is up with them because they are part of the like uh classic cover that was actually commissioned by uh to be created by Francis Cougat uh, before the novel was even completed. Um, talk to me about these this Eckelberg nonsense cuz it's something i remember being of like a visceral reading experience when i was in high school but i don't remember mu- much of the details
0: okay let me let me just let me read you let me let's, i guess start the conversation by reading you the passage where you first encounter the eyes of, of Dr. TJ Eckelberg sure um so this is the this is the phase of the book where they're driving out to the valley of ashes to meet um Tom's mistress and um, here, here we go. Uh, above the gray land and the spasms of bleak dust which drift endlessly over it, you perceive after a moment the eyes of Dr. T.J. Eckelberg. The eyes of Dr. T.J. Eckelberg are blue and gigantic. Their retinas are one yard high. They look out of no face, but instead from a pair of enormous yellow spectacles which pass over a non existent nose. Evidently, some wild wag of an oculist set them there to fatten his practice in the borough of Queens and then sank down himself into eternal blindness or forgot them and moved away but his eyes dimmed a little by many paintless days under sun and rain brood on over the solemn dumping ground. Oh gosh. <laughs> okay. So like if I if I had to talk about the eyes of <laughs> Dr. TJ Eckleburg it would just be about like Like y'all, everybody wants to leave something behind, right? Like that's
1: yeah, we, legacy that drives
0: a lot. Yeah, yeah. But sure. like this, this person's legacy is like some dumb half ad that resides over basically mortar.
1: <laughs> it does. It does sound like a really low rent version of the Eye of Sauron, and Hunt. like
0: nobody even remembers what happened to this dude, and so you've just got these big creepy ad eyes like watching you all the time. <laughs> Like that, it's very dystopian and very like yeah. It belies the promise of the Roaring Twenties, I think. Just sure, maybe to see the symbol of of abandonment and decay, like residing over this area. Sure, (laughs) and
1: it's just lodged in my brain because that's the year of. English class where you start really when I read it, when you start really diving into how authors use symbolism Mm -hmm. um, or at least how symbolism crops up, because I don't know that uh, Fitzgerald meant it to be like God watching over this place disdainfully, or it's a vacuum of meaning that just sits up there on a billboard. Um, I think like a lot of, symbols that resonate and work it's probably like it's you know got four to ten valid readings that depend on where you are or what you think it means to the characters Mm -hmm. Um, but that's always just something that's stuck in my brain about this book
0: um um Just hitting up Spark Notes because oh, I like to it. see I like to see what scholars think of things. Yeah,
1: get into the academia. Um, of it.
0: Throughout the novel, Fitzgerald suggests that symbols only have meaning because characters instill them with meaning. Great. Okay. So I think that we can base we're basically allowed to read whatever we want into the eyes because things only have meaning because we think that they do. Perfect. So Wonderful. my my reading of what they are is one hundred percent correct. Great. in that case. I'm
1: glad that you got it so right. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks. And then what's up with the boats at the end? Ceaselessly, the past, we're born there? Uh, Yeah, so where's the,
0: thi- that's man, like the this thing? That's like the thing. Yeah, I ha- I guess I could just flip to the end. Because I had it highlighted because it's like, oh, yeah, that's where that comes from. Boats. Um. So we beat on boats against the current, born back
1: ceaselessly into the past. Is the current America and the past is when we didn't kill each other after parties
0: (laughs) i think it's 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 about people people trying to push forward into the future um so so there's okay so so i need to step back and explain a couple more metaphors (laughs) um there was a there's a green light across the bay that gatsby would look at that would symbolize daisy and this promise of daisy and like oh if i get daisy back everything's gonna be great um, Gatsby believed in the green light the orgiastic future that year by year recedes before us it eluded us then but that's no matter tomorrow we will run faster stretch out our arms farther and one fine morning dash dash and so we and so we beat on boats against the current blah 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 okay. it's about it's about believing the future is going to be better and always fighting for that better future and always getting like dragged back despite our best efforts Sure. To like, to like, repeat the past. And so, just to talk about the lessons of the Roaring Twenties and the Gilded Age, like, to talk about how that's applicable to our own current moment in time is us getting born back ceaselessly into the past, I think.
1: Like, how I can't make Facebook show me only new posts. Like, it it just throws me back into. Whatever the heck it wants to show me. I think that's like, like so we beat ago.
0: on boats against the current born back to whatever the algorithm says is oh, good for you. God.
1: The great Gatsby 2.0, 2.0. 2.1 patch coming soon.
0: <laughs> we got to make, got to make Tom less OP.
1: Yeah. <laughs> got to really nerf Tom in this next update. Uh, so that sounds like it's great Gatsby, Andrew. Right. It is it is great Gatsby.
0: I wanna point out, my favorite parody of this last line is actually from somebody who I who I work with now at, at the wire cutter. Um so we beat on boys against the current born ceaselessly back into the town.
1: <laughs> I am so here for boys back in town jokes. Uh if you have good You, the listener, have good jokes based on the end of this book. You can send them to us uh, over email at overduepod at gmail.com or on social media, facebook.com slash overduepod or twitter.com slash overduepod. A bunch of folks reached out in the past week in response to Wrinkle in Time and some uh, folks dipping into last month's Spooktober Spectacular. So I just want to thank, among many, Charlotte, Amy, Rachel, Brian, Ben, Britt, Josh, Christine, Megan, Jake, Celeste, Emily... R.A., Leanne, Pam, Melissa, Amanda, Mary-Kate, Becky, Tessa, Hannah, uh, Tina, and Samantha. Thank y'all. And many more. Um, who's just There's too many of you to thank all at once uh, for listening and giving us uh, some nice feedback throughout the week. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go?
0: They should go to overduepodcast.com where we have links to iTunes, Google Play, RSS, uh, Stitcher. Those are all ways you can subscribe to the show. We also have links to our Patreon page, Uh, which you can use to support the show more directly with your monies. And we have a list of the books that we are going to read for the upcoming month. So because this month is books that we've already read month, a lot of people have been very excited about that. Let's just highlight one by one the books that we are planning to read for the rest of November. Uh, So next week, Craig is reading Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Is a game that is not – a well, I guess the game is near and dear to your heart also, but the book (laughs) – it's a book that's near and dear to your heart. It's true that you've got a lot of conflicted thoughts about, and we're going to talk about. I think this is very uh, applicable in in today's conversation. What with like the Weinstein and Louis C.K. and uh, and you know, art like, versus artists, yep. and like all kinds of stuff about about art versus artists. So we're going to talk about that some. That's going to be pretty fun. Can I just probably. say if
1: you want to read along with us and you don't have a copy, please find a used copy. And, like, yeah, find a used, used copy. bookstore. And
0: make sure that you're not buying the used copy from Orson Scott Card. (laughs) Himself. Oh, God. Uh, The week after that, I'll be reading Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. The British name is the Philosopher's Stone for our international listeners. And then for our bonus episode, which we are going to record at some undecided upon point in time, we're going to be reading, both of us will be reading Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury.
1: Yep. That's it. That's what we're doing the rest of the month. We hope you enjoy it. Like you we hope enjoyed you enjoy this it. one. Mm-hmm. We
0: hope all of our episodes are as great as Gatsby. Good show, right, old everybody. sport. Yeah, you too, old sport. All right, old sports. Until next week, try to be happy, old sport.